let's let's get right into it. We are back. The See For Yourself podcast, the only podcast where our body parts are interchangeable like Legos. I am your host for today, just in case, and uh, I am joined by... Glass of milk with ice. Glass of milk with ice. Uh, I, I appreciate the uh, the continuation of the, uh, the never-ending saga of names that you create based solely on things that are within your immediate vision. All right. I, I just want to point out that I do not have a glass of, of milk with ice in me. This is a reference to, um, there was a, a Reddit post about what you'd do if you had a million dollars. And one guy was like, I would sit at a restaurant and tell my waiter to bring some random table in the shop a glass of milk with ice. Every time they do it, I'd tip them $100. And as soon as the the man receiving the glass of milk with ice started to get really belligerent i'd up it to like 500 dollars just to make sure that they kept on bringing glasses of milk with ice to this man good god that's terrorism on a different level <laughs> i've never had fuck you money but like that's the epitome of fuck you money right it's gotta be i i think that's the that's the reason that if we ever lived in a society where everybody was rich like imagine like a utopia where everybody's rich and obviously we have like that syndrome quote here where it's like where, where everyone's rich no one will be imagine it is everyone's actually rich right and it, and it works the same way as it does now for rich people there would be so many people like countless people probably pretty much everyone who's just using their money as fuck you money oh for sure and it's wild because like fuck you money to me is the f- like fuck interacting with the world because i have to like i'll only do it when i when i want to i find it funny that some of these people would become super villains because like if you've got all the money if you've got fuck you money you could be a super villain whereas me my lack of money is what makes me want to be a super villain truly your willingness to be a super villain due to your lack of money is your most endearing quality in my mind it's it's really the most respectable part of your personality to me i i just try to be honest to myself as a human like you ever you ever hear those uh the people that are like if i was stalin i'd have done things differently and it's like would you would you though because it doesn't take stalin levels of power for me to think about doing like the world's worst evil for my own benefit holy shit speaking of things that are definitely going to get cut from the episode (laughs) (laughs) good lord you know i think that's enough of that Let's just hop right into uh, today's episode is going to be on the movie The Tingler. It's a 1950s movie. Uh, I'll just get right into the blurb. The blurb is a doctor discovers that all humans have a parasite at the base of their spines. And while performing experiments on this parasite, one breaks loose. I'm sorry, all humans have this parasite? I think I might have said all, and maybe the blurb says that humans have a parasite at the base of their spines, so it might not be all? Is that something you'd like to predict? I, I don't even feel, like, very proud of this as a prediction, because, like, just... So if every human has this parasite at the base of their spine, it getting out doesn't sound like a horrifying consequence. You know what I mean? Like, what's it gonna, like, what's what's it gonna do? It's not gonna go find a human to latch onto the base of their spine, because they already have one. What if it, what if it's just, like, a little really mean guy, and he, like... Like, he's just, he's just really mean. Oh, you know what? That's my prediction. This parasite at the base of every human spine is their personality. We've covered another similar episode to this on the podcast in uh, Brain Damage. And the parasite in that one had a whole personality. He practically sang songs, for Christ's sake. He did. That was, uh, that was Bing Crosby as a worm. <laughs> He had a huge personality. Do you think that the the, the Tingler is going to have a... I'm, I'm dubbing this thing the Tingler, I've decided. It's the, the Parasite itself is the Tingler? Yeah, yeah, why not? I cannot imagine... God, you know what? 
you know what? This movie's gonna fuck me, and it's gonna do something like, yeah, the parasite is called whatever the doctor's name is. You know, his his last name is Stevenson. It's called a Stevenson parasite. And then the thing that's the tingler is the device he creates to capture it or whatever. <laughs> Ooh, what if the doctor is actually like uh, he's gone insane, and so this parasite is actually hoodoo science bullshit. The tingler is his alter ego, who he sees as a superhero, but is actually a supervillain who uh, uses whatever device you know maybe we'll call the device the tingler as well and he's just accosting people trying to trying to get this parasite back that doesn't actually exist and he's doing horrible things to people over it and we'll also call the doctor tingler as well it'll be yeah dr tingler the name of the parasite is tingler and the name of the capture device is tingler <laughs> it's a you know it's actually an avant-garde film where they've managed to tell the story while only using the word tingler (laughs) (laughs) what if they just named every character in the movie tingler all normal stuff is like normal it's like that's a cup this is my this is my lab coat my name is i'm tingler this is my wife tingler the this monster i found tingler this made-up device that we created for this movie tingler anything that has to be like named for the movie they were just like the laziest script writers ever they were just like tingler 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 i love it 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 has to be oh my god is this is this the first time we've actually made wild predictions for this podcast like every other episode i think this is the first time we've actually followed our own fucking script here where it's like no no no, make a make a wild prediction and i'm like i'll think the bad guy will be clearly apparent about halfway through the film it's like that's not a that's not a wild prediction that's film 101 actually uh, <laughs> yeah we we consistently are like uh at the end of the second act the main characters are going to split up and be angry with each other and then in the middle of the third act they'll come back together to overcome the difficulty and i'm surprised like, nobody's called us out on this shit because that really does feel like how some of the predictions have gone you know i don't think you give us enough credit because i think some of the shit that we've come up with is not only wholly original ideas at the very least ideas that have not been put to practice on the big screen but i think they're lovely shit did did we not just talk about meet the fuckers but it's pinhead like like that's brilliant that's but i do think that's very that's like we're not creating something wholly original we're taking something that we already know that works and another thing we already know that works and just slapping them together right i guess that's fair yeah it's not holistically original it's just kind of like hey these are two good things what if we took peanut butter and we took chocolate and we just put them together did we make a new thing philosophically speaking there are no new ideas that's true but i do think that there are some that are more newer than others are and i think tingler 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 (laughs) tingler Yeah. I think that's more newer than what if Pinhead but meet the Fockers. Oh, the Tingles. Speaking of the Tingles, I don't know if you want to make a reference to the fact that like neither of us have any clue what's going on with this movie. Oh yeah, we should probably note that. Neither of us have seen Tingle, 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 Tingle. The only reason this movie came across my radar, I think that's probably something we should include in episodes. Uh, the reason it came across my radar is I was looking up Vincent Price movies. Oh, is this Vincent Price? Yeah, that's how I came across the movie. I wanted to find us a good Vincent Price movie to watch and I was looking up different ones and I the, the one that I found that was most free the one that you can find easily uh, on the internet was the tingler and i love the title so much just the word tingler you know and any title that's the and then a thing like just two words the and then whatever always a good title for a film in my mind like for me those are good film titles and i really liked how it was made pre-1970 because my threshold for films is around right around 1970 anything older than 1970 i'm a lot less familiar with and this fits into that category it's a 1959 movie it is 
in the sci-fi genre and I love sci-fi. So this checked a lot of my boxes and I wanted us to get to watch a movie that stars Vincent Price. Like I actually get to see him do that good chef's kiss acting that we that know. Good that pricey stuff that we mm. didn't get to see in um, Dead Heat. Yeah. And I know that Dead Heat was just a few episodes ago. So yes, this is a Vincent Price movie. I'm very excited to get to see Vincent Price in a starring role. He is our, our doctor in the, in the description. So I'm, I'm excited to get to see Vincent Price. Is there, do you have any predictions about Vincent Price specifically? I hope he had, I hope that this is a common thing for him and that he's got just an equally outlandish name. So not Loudermilk, but... What was it, Arthur P. Loudermilk? Yeah, Arthur P. Loudermilk. He's definitely going to, it's definitely going to be Dr. Something, middle initial something. Mm, good, good guess. I like that. I like that you're sticking with the first name, middle initial, last name as the name as it is spoken most of the times in the movie. I like that. Yeah, that that's going to have to be it. It's like, I, mm-hmm. Dr. Arthur P. Loudermilk, have determined that the tingle, tingle, tingle. How does, so, so my question for you, actually, now that I'm, now that I'm thinking about it, and I'm sorry for interrupting, how the fuck do you find a parasite? at the base of a spine because like most doctors will not open up that area right like you need a very you need a very good reason for anybody to want to fuck around back there it's like right over your your butthole first of all and well, secondly, yeah, so your your butthole but also like your entire nervous system stems out yes. of each of those fucking discs yeah right above your butthole and right below the most like one of the most important parts of your body that like medical science is like clueless about basically like not that like, like wasn't it in uh in shallow hell where they're like hey i've got this like vestigial tail and doctors won't touch it because like it could fucking maim me yes and uh if you've ever had back problems and gone to a doctor like myself they basically tell you get fucked we don't know enough about back there we can get x-rays we can get all these different things to like know more about it and we can send you to like a chiropractor but a chiropractor is not a doctor they don't know as much as even a doctor does and they're basically just trying to get you some kind of relief that's all a doctor can do for you basically for most back problems so i just mentioned like how much i hate chiropractors like it's it's just two steps away from acupuncture really i think that if it works for you it works for you and that's wonderful but the chances of it working for you are about it's just slightly better than you asking your significant other to like pop your back really quick no exactly and and even then it's never going to solve a problem if anything it just treats a symptom temporarily yes and it's it's a racket it's meant to like have you coming back over and over and over again what a what a smart group of people that figured that fucking shit out what if our doctor is a chiropractor god we're over here shitting on chiropractors and he's gonna be like vincent price (laughs) is playing a chiropractor. I hope. I fucking hope. I don't think he will, but like, wouldn't that be great if he's just doing his chiropractic thing and he's just like, yeah, yeah, let me, let me just run my fingers down your spine. What the hell is this? I'll name it the Tingler. God, I really hope that, uh, I, Dr. Tingler, will name it the Tingler, first of all. <laughs> Secondly, I really hope that it is that simple. It's just like a scene where it's like, all right, young man, I'm your doctor, Dr. Tingler, and I will be performing your checkup today. And just turns this young man around and like checks his back, you know, for like scoliosis or whatever. And then as he's like looking down 1950s practical effect, there's like a weird looking thing coming out of his back or something. And he's like, this is strange. And he pokes around at it. And sure enough, he had an inflamed tingler, but we all have tingler. I want to know how he discovers that humans have this. this is a normal thing. Right. So that that's the thing. Like I know Vincent Price does horror things. So maybe he's not like a practicing working on live people doctor. Maybe he's just, he, he works in a morgue. And so he's, he's been doing these autopsies for so long. That's gotta be it. You know, uh, I, I think that's nailing it. It's he's got to be like a corpse doctor, basically. Like he just does morgues. He's a mortician. He does 
you know, something like that. And he just happens to be dissecting someone for some reason or another and checks the spine and, oh, sure enough, there's this weird thing. But he does that to, like, all the corpses, and this is maybe the freshest corpse he's ever gotten a hold of, and the Tingler has managed to survive. Yeah, like, normally it dissolves upon death or whatever, but, like, because this person's still, like, so fresh or something, I doubt they'll have, like, a part where he has to dissect, like, a living person. Seems really expensive and unnecessary. Oh, for sure, but they're, they're probably going to have some practical effect where it's like pile of guts on table inside mannequin skin. So what is the Tingler going to look like, do you think? Brain damage was about that same time, right? No, they, brain no, damage after. way later. Okay. Yeah, late 80s, 1988. And this is a 70s movie, like an early 70s? No, the Tingler is 1959. Holy God, what did we know about like medical science back then? Like They must have known about tapeworms and shit in the 50s, right? Yeah, like, yeah. Shit, I think they were given tapeworms as like weight loss supplements. So we knew about parasites. I wonder if there's like a historical event that like correlates around this time as like a people were reading more about parasites in like 1957 or 58. And so they were like, let's capitalize on that and make a movie about a parasite. I'm actually wondering like what sort of social things were going on at the time that people might consider parasites like, oh God, you know, cut this out too. But the, the parasite's going to be like some heavily Irish thing. God, yeah, it's literally going, the parasite is like the, the correlation here is going to be that like Asian people are a parasite on the American communities or whatever the fuck god god help us if it's that no that that's what it's gonna be it's gonna be like a big old potato shaped lump that comes out going like oh hardy darty yeah it's something something along those lines where the the parasite is really just japanese people because this is post-world war ii and we're still kind of concerned about japanese for some reason Mm. fucking hell no way. No way. <laughs> please, please no. I've got it. I've got my finger on the fucking 50s pulse here. Jeez, this is the end of the 50s too, so it's gotta be come on, the 60s were after this, and they were all peace and love, right? Come on, come on <laughs> please! No, 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 no. <laughs> I'm as far as what it looks like, I think it is going to be similar to brain damage. Maybe not as large as the one in brain damage. Like a leech. Like like a leech. I I think that that if you're trying to tell somebody in the general public that something's a parasite, the first thing people think of is not, you know, the fucking zombie fungus that attaches to ants. It's probably going to be like a leech. I'm I'm hoping that the tingler will be more like, I don't know. I I like the leech thing because it is clearly very good for a small budget and it it looks, you know, passable and it is like a type of parasite parasite that people are familiar with but i i guess i i'm more interested in like the weird esoteric looking kind of parasites you know like the funguses or like the insects that like burrow into each other and and stuff like that you know what i'm talking about like those wasps that do that to like the caterpillars or whatever and then their babies like eat their way out that's cool as shit to me so i'd like to see something more like that but i don't know exactly what i'm expecting here I, i want it to have like hooks and barbs everywhere and just be really like pointy looking basically like like a sea urchin but at the base of your spine that'd be cool that would be cool that that yeah and maybe it has maybe it has wheels or something i don't know <laughs> that's how it, it escapes those, those natural wheels um <laughs> god fearing natural wheels <laughs> maybe those wheels or something i don't know Oh no! Oh, I, I I can't I can't even bring myself to think of like what what they would use back then to like represent some sort of dangerous parasite. But but wouldn't it be nice if it wasn't like fucking an insecta an insectoid parasite? Like the guy's just got mushrooms growing out the base of his back or something like that. Oh my god! I just thought in my head I'm like, well, if it's not an insect, like what would it be? Like a little bear or maybe like a little monkey? And then I was like, if it's a monkey, then the parasite is black people. Holy fucking shit! Please don't oh, do this. <laughs> <laughs> no 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 no.
because 1950s people would call black people monkeys and that's extremely racist and I don't like it. And I would hate to see that in a movie starring our perfect sweet angel baby boy, Vincent Price. Don't be a part of that movie, Vincent Price, please. You know, thank, thank goodness you weren't around in the 50s to, like, give people these ideas. I'm glad they came up with it on their own. It was a movie I really wanted to watch. I was like, oh, this sounds so cool, because somebody explained the premise to me. They were like, uh, yeah, there's a movie where it's Bela Lugosi, and if you don't know who Bela Lugosi is, he played Dracula in the, like, 1930s Dracula movie. So very popular, like, horror movie icon, right? And it's just a movie starring Bela Lugosi, and there's a guy in a gorilla suit in the movie, and that's it. That's what they told me the movie was about. That premise alone sounds so cool. What is the name of this movie? So I just typed in Bela Lugosi and uh, Gorilla Suit. And what I found was a movie. You know what the title of that movie was? Oh, I'm too ashamed to say, but what is it? Bela Lugosi meets a Manhattan gorilla. And in my mind, I'm like, that is literally what I came here for. But, but what, once it's <laughs> listed in front of you like that, the way like wording it that way just seems so wrong because Manhattan Gorilla sounds very much like what a racist person in like 1950s or 1960s or whatever would call a black person living in New York. <laughs> I, I can only give it the benefit of the doubt and that the, the commentary is about the urban jungle and not... And not and not about just like, we're just trying to have a racial slur in our title and the whole movie's just about being racists. Yep. But we yeah, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> yeah, it would be nice if it wasn't that, but... Uh, uh, knowing what we're, uh, what the 1950s were, you know, sure yeah, enough. Yeah, knowing the world I live in, like... God, how did we get here? Who? Where are we? Why, why are we still here? Did, did we come here just to suffer? How, how, how did we get to the Manhattan Grill? Oh, that's right. I was disparaging the Irish in my... Yes. <laughs> we weren't disparaging the Irish. We were praying that that didn't happen. God, I'm going to have to cut so much of this. Jesus Christ. <laughs> we've been recording for 32 minutes, and we have six minutes of usable content. Fuck me. I feel like we've spent the whole day talking about, like, God, isn't it going to be a shame in the future when we have to cut all these episodes for being for being like off color and uh that's all we've done so far is be as off color as possible well and it's and it's hard because like the 1950s was a time where that was incredibly common so when we're talking about like let's make a prediction and here's all the information we have about the movie we kind of have to like talk about like what we're familiar with from that time and a lot of the stuff that makes headlines and catches our attentions now is that was fucking racist or that was sexist or that was you know kink shaming all these things i promise you 20 years from now or 50 years from now people will look back on on what we're doing right this second and think those guys are fucking assholes. These guys are the worst kinds of humans. Maybe my wild predictions for these old movies from now on should be a little tongue-in-cheek. It'd be like, oh, I think I think they're gonna have a diverse cast and it's gonna be handled lovingly. <laughs> And just none of those things that you think about from the 50s are going to be in this movie, I promise. We didn't even talk about whether or not this movie was going to be in black and white. I thought it was going to be in black and white. Oh, I, I, I do not know one way or the other. Um, yeah, I don't I don't know enough about film to know when we started to have like Technicolor and stuff like that. Uh, so we do, at this point, we do have it. And it's been around for long enough that most movies are doing it. Okay. But it is very possible that, you know, just to save money or just as a stylistic choice, they might go with black and white. Well, when did, when did Vincent Price start acting? God, the 30s, I think. So so he's oh. been doing this for a bit. So he was born in 1911. So he'd be 19 in the 30s. 1938 was when he uh, first started acting. So he's uh, so he first started acting then. He's been doing this for 20 years. Yep. I imagine that by now he's garnered some sort of fame. So I don't think they're going to be trying to cut costs on a Vincent Price film at this point. I hope it's in color just because I like seeing older movies in color. I think that there's something like something magical about that. 
I don't know why. Do you think that this movie has a sequel? I don't. I, and uh, that's just because I feel like, you know, and I have nothing to base this on aside from the fact that Vincent Price always looked like a, a suave and, and sophisticated man. And I don't think he'd be like, no, 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 we're not going to do a sequel. I've done everything you need for The Tingler. We're moving on to the next project now. Damn. You put a lot of uh, put a lot of stuff on Vincent Price for a guy who's only <laughs> seen him in one movie. <laughs> For a man who was ignorant of this person's existence until about, like, a month ago, <laughs> and who has probably done no research since that month ago introduction, you're like, this is how Vincent Price is, everybody. I know, because <laughs> I've done my research. Because I saw him in a cameo. <laughs> I've put in the legwork on this one, guys, and let me go ahead and let you know, this is who Vincent Price is. This is what he's about. This is who he fucks with. This is who he doesn't fucks with. <laughs> oh, God. Poor, poor Vincent Price. <laughs> You saw him in that movie where he said a total of like 15 lines and you were like, I know everything about this man. <laughs> is there anything new you're hoping to learn about Vincent Price other than he's suave as fuck and doesn't give a shit about making sequels? I would like to find out that he's actually like not as professional and uptight as I've been led to believe. Maybe this is not a horror movie at all and this is his uh, big break into the comedy scene. Let me ask you this. Does Vincent Price play the hero or the villain of this story? See, it depends. Like in one iteration of my wild speculations here, he's the hero who's trying to recapture this parasite that like, you know, in um, Young Frankenstein where they take the abnormal brain. I think that these parasites are what lend people their personality and so he's trying to track down this abnormal murderer's personality parasite. In this case, he's the hero. Or in the more horrific version for me, the parasites don't actually exist and Vincent Price is murdering people over these fucking parasites. He's just ripping out people's spines for no reason. <laughs> yep, yep. He's like, oh, well, let me get that for you. And as he rips out the spine, he's like, no need to thank me, ma'am. And then runs off while this person's like fucking bleeding out, crippled on the ground. Yeah, with like a new fucking like surgical scar on their back where they're right above their butthole. Yeah, yeah, right above their butthole where he's inserted like a broom handle to replace their spine because he's actually a whack job. What if the tingler is just the technical term for the scar that's left right above the second butthole? <laughs> the se <laughs> Did you get your tingler? <laughs> did in fact he just goes on such like a, a tingler spree that like it becomes a common phrase where they're like well what do we call this like horrible like opening that this person has above their butthole and well we can't just call it a second butthole sir yeah yeah i, I agree i agree what do we call it? uh a tingler it's a tingler because it's gonna tingle when i have to sew this thing back up fair enough <laughs> oh no <laughs> I also like how you've uh, attached the like monstrous aspect of this uh, parasite with the personality of the person whom it is attached to instead of like, oh, it's monstrous, but only when it gets outside of the body, which is what I immediately think of. Like, it's not monstrous if it's in there, but if for whatever reason somebody takes it out and it survives that process, then it like grows five times its size because it's in contact with oxygen, which it like, for whatever sci-fi reason, becomes huge and angry because of all the oxygen it's taking in. You know, that, that's a good point. I feel like I've been, I've my view of horror movies has been tainted by you because in the past it's been like, oh yeah, a giant gorilla, that'd be horrifying. And then I have to watch it with you and you're like, actually, that's social commentary about racism. And I'm like, oh, fuck me. All right. All right. So the parasite is blah, 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 blah. And their personalities and you're like, it's just a parasite. <laughs> <laughs> it is it is a 1950s movie so they do try to kind of keep it a little simple and sometimes that can mean like well Godzilla was actually a commentary on people's fears surrounding nuclear radiation sometimes it just works out to be a little bit smarter than it seems on the surface and I'm not saying that that happened on accident I think a lot of these directors were very smart and put a lot of effort into this but 
other times it literally is just, yeah, what if we put like a spider uh, right above somebody's butthole and then when it comes out, it creates a second butthole. That's pretty scary, right? Spiders, <laughs> spiders, buttholes. <laughs> if there's two things people in the 50s hate, it's spiders and buttholes. <laughs> so <laughs> what if we just put a spider on top of somebody's butthole and gave them a second butthole? And we'll call the second butthole, I don't know, a tingler or something. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, brilliant, you can retire right now. (laughs) Please take our money, please, please. You can write your own checks for the rest of your career. (laughs) I'm genuinely terrified to call like an end to this because we've done so much fucking around with content that I'm like, "Ah, can we leave the part in where we talk about like racism and what if this movie is about Irish racism? And like, I know that what we're saying is we'd rather it not be about Irish racism, but a lot of people could misconstrue that as like, oh, they really want a movie about racism towards Irish people for some reason. What a bunch of assholes. We've been watching all these movies and they're racist to everybody. You know who we haven't disparaged recently? The Irish. You know what people hated in the 50s? Oh, probably the Irish. And then, and then, and then somebody misconstrues this as as like us crossing our fingers. Oh, please, 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 please. Fuck the Irish. Fuck them, fuck them, fuck them. <laughs> we did have that whole episode where we're like, you know what? More people need to disparage the French. We we did have a whole episode about that. Well, so it wasn't uh, the whole episode was about that. I think what we were trying to note was that it was very commonplace for Americans to hate French people. I mean, that's definitely what we meant. But to the to the untrained listener, mm-hmm. uh, to the, we were definitely... <laughs> The less loving in listener. I don't think they're untrained. They're very well trained in looking for something that could be vaguely construed as racist or sexist or whatever. And oh, then for sure. spinning it, you know, uh, uh, they're very well trained in that. But they're not very loving or kind and like willing to listen to the whole thing and say, oh, no, they, they clearly weren't. And it also kind of sucks because we're sort of generally joyous and, and, and jovial and, and having like a, a good time. Oh, it sounds like we're just celebrating it. <laughs> We're just <laughs> so happy that Americans hate the French. Oh, boy. Oh, thank God. Yeah. Whew. If we didn't have that, what are we even living for? Uh, I, I could see that. God. 90% of the shit I'm going to have to cut here is just me being, like, vaguely terrified that at one point someday in the future I'm going to have to face the consequences of me saying something like, a lot of Americans hate the French just for no reason. Somewhere down the line, uh, America and France are going to be the superpower of the world. They're, it's just, it's going to be like Demolition Man, and it's all just going to be American French. And somebody's going to find this, and it'd be like, ha ha ha, cowboy. Uh... <laughs> How dare you say such a thing? It's like, no, it was a simpler time. I didn't mean it. What is the, what is the, okay. I don't know why this is like a burning question for me, but what's the French version of ho ho ho, cowboy? Like, what is the thing about American state of French people in response to That's in the future. Like, instead of all the restaurants being Taco Bell, uh, everything is American French fusion and it's ho ho ho, cowboy. Oh, okay. So you're... I think you're saying that the better version of this is ha 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 boy howdy. Boy. <laughs> <laughs> like you just have to combine French and American into one. So you're like ha ha ha. <laughs> yes, wait, let's let's spend even more time like narrowing this down for the future. Ha ha ha, get me a Bud Light. <laughs> <laughs> Have we even talked about the movie? Did, did we get so, there? I kept trying to, like, bring it back to it, but we rapidly got off fucking track. Several well, times. I, I feel bad about this. Maybe we're not doing such great movie analysis here or movie prediction here, because, again, we're kind of stuck with a vague blurb, and this is one of those blurbs that I had to heavily edit to try not to reveal seven different characters' names for whatever. Well, well, that's the thing. It's like when you read the blurb, it's like it's basically brain damage. Like, the blurb, it, the blurb could be slapped onto brain damage, and it's, like, basically, 
actually a suitable blurb. And so like now I'm now I'm tainted with this other movie and I don't want to be like, I think it's just going to be brain damage, but in black and white, like I don't want to say that. Um, I think that's kind of the beauty of this podcast is that the more the longer we do it, the more we're going to come across a lot of blurbs that are wildly similar. So I need to make I, I'm trying to be as wild with my speculations as possible. So it's not just brain damage again. And like now now we're just getting wild to the point of absurdity. <laughs> Yes. One thing I'd like to see, and I, I think this is very unlikely because the blurb seems to contradict it, but it would be cool if the doctor was not a doctor. Like he's a doctor in terms of like what he's literally doing, but he's just like a florist. He's not a trained professional. It's, it's like in his spare time, he autopsies random homeless people in his neighborhood, like some sort of uh, yeah. psychotic weirdo. Like kind of go the Frankenstein route where he's like illegally grabbing bodies from the local graveyard, but he's not a scientist or a doctor. He's just a guy who has like a maybe a fetish or maybe he has like a an enthusiasm for corpses that's not sexual in any way or, um, or maybe he he was previously a doctor and was i don't know can, can you can revoke somebody's medical license for doing yes. weird shit right yes 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 well, I'd, like, I'd like to see that that'd be cool but yeah and maybe through his like enthusiasm he discovers this thing and he's like finally this will get me out of my shitty florist job and get me like my, my published first- paper and my recognition yeah, yeah. yeah. That'd be cool. 1950s movies are probably pretty heavy into that, like, oh, you kind of have to go and find your fame and fortune by lifting your bootstraps up and that kind of rhetoric, you know what I'm talking about? Right. So I'm sure that's kind of commonplace in movies back then. But again, this is a blind spot for me where like anything made before 1970 and I'm like really unfamiliar. I'm wondering if this is like, I don't know how far back we have to go, but we watched House and that was supposed to be experimental horror. Yes. Um, And there was some things that just like didn't work for me or maybe they didn't work at all or they were just trying stuff. Uh, How far back in America cinema do we have to go to start seeing that like was vincent price the founding father of american horror (laughs) certainly not but I think that is a really cool question to ask, and there's a kind of a complicated answer to this, but basically what it boils down to is always. The answer to your question is always. Anytime we go back in cinema, we're always going to come across stuff that's like both, hey, this was just the standard of the time, and it worked at the time, but it doesn't work anymore, and hey, this is us actually trying new stuff that no one had ever tried before, and it just didn't work, and we didn't use it ever again. So we're going to find both of those things, and we're not always going to be able to know, because both you and I are ignorant of 1950s filmmaking, we're not going to be able to know that this was the popular thing to do at the time. What was it? The jump scare was invented by a movie about cats because a cat, they were filming a scene and a cat just jumped out in front of the camera and that was it. That was the invention of the jump scare. It wasn't a thing that they were really thinking about. It just happened because a cat was loose on set and the handler didn't do a good job of keeping it out of the the shot. Yeah, didn't keep it contained, didn't keep it out of the shot, didn't whatever, you know, whatever they were supposed to be doing. And it created this cool thing that they started using all the time now. But even at the time, after it was invented it didn't get used all the time immediately but now you're like horror movie jump scares they're ubiquitous they're the same thing and that just wouldn't be true at the time of the invention of jump scares or even before that by the way 1950s movie very likely not to contain too many jump scares i'm excited for that i'd like to see more eerie horror as opposed to like loud noises and flashing lights i'm hoping this will be one of those uh older horror movies with that really big orchestral score you know what i'm talking about oh yeah not like big sweeping noises or big sweeping sort of orchestral noises but like that kind of like uh kind of noise you know what I'm talking about? right yeah where people were still like inventing these instruments to be doing that it's like 
this is this is going to be like one of the first situations where they're like, you know, if you just waggle this piece of aluminum, it sounds kind of spooky. I'm really, really hoping and I could be just completely wrong about this and I'm, I'm fine with that, but I'm hoping for a theremin. I would like to see. Oh, yes. The use of a theremin. I believe that we covered theremins in the Frank episode of the podcast. Did we? Oh, yes, because they did use one. Ma- Maggie Gyllenhaal's character, um, uh, Clara. Clara uses a theremin. Which I think I think it's I think it'd be really nice to see one because nowadays we we hear that and it seems like a really campy noise to be shoving in there like it's the type of thing that I would expect to hear in a Scooby Doo special and not in a serious role. Yeah, like it it has uh I think we talked about this in, in Itchy the Killer, where in movies it happens a lot where something will sort of start off as a very serious thing, and then over the course of it running its lifetime in, in that given genre or in that given pigeonhole that it's been put in, eventually it reaches a point of absurdity or ridiculousness, and then it becomes joked about or used for comedy reasons. And I think the theremin is in that same situation now, where now we see it as ridiculous, but back in the day it really was an unknown sound that sounded really eerie and made people feel that way of like, oh, something's right around the corner. I don't know. Oh. Well, especially I, because it's like it's it's not a noise that you would typically hear. Like yeah. it's not something that you can really recreate with another instrument. So for people to hear, like nowadays it's it's so synonymous like you said to the point of, of absurdity where it's like now when we talk about like oh spooky ghost stories and really like people just do that because that's the silly spooky ghost noise but they're imitating a theremin i agree right. i think that it'd be, it'd be cool to see i'm with you on the i prefer like actually trying to scare people with like camera angles or with lighting or with just about anything other than a jump scare. I think the theremin does a good job of evoking those feelings of like wonder and fear and is a little bit off-putting and having that in the place of dead silence and then suddenly something jumping up in front of you. I'd much rather like the theremin noise and then you round a corner and you see this scary spider sea urchin fungus monster that's coming out of somebody's second butthole. Yes, yes. Tingling the hell out of them. Just really... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, tingling them, just really tinglering, tingler, tinglerizing them, kind of like tenderizing, but tinglerizing. I'm fucking funny, okay? I came up with that just now. That's a wholly that, original honestly, thing. I was, I was very impressed with uh, tinglerizing. I think that's the perfect verb for this thing. Instead of tingling somebody, tinglerizing them. I love it. Yeah, because it's still got the tingler in it, so it's it's exactly what we're looking for. Oh, oof. You think they'll say tinglerize? Maybe just once? Maybe? You don't, you don't have to say yes, but it'd be cool if you did. I... <laughs> <laughs> I really want them to, but at this point, like, I, I'm just, I, I don't know where the tingler is going to come up, and I still haven't dis- f- picked out a name for Vincent Price. What if what if his name is, like, it's really similar to Arthur P. Loudermilk, but it's not? Like, it's What if like- it's Arthur T. Loudermilk and the T is for tingler? <laughs> <laughs> it's like Archibald T. Whisper. What's the opposite of milk? What's a, what's a cider? Uh, whisper cider? Whisper cider. <laughs> Archibald T. Whisper Cider here. Can we get Vincent Price on this podcast and just see what he comes up with for his name? Our sweet, perfect angel baby boy died. That's not what I asked. He died in 1993. Oh, good grief. And uh, we will never have another Vincent Price. But we could have a Archibald T. Whisper Cider. I would, I would very much enjoy and appreciate that. I, I think we've made all the wild speculation that we can and a whole lot of side conversation I'm going to have to cut the living hell out of. <laughs> Is there anything else you'd like to make a guesstimate before we go ahead and get right into this movie or or have i have i drained you dry have i tingled you dry (laughs) 
I, I think any other speculation I can make would not be wild speculation. Like, I think the scary part of this movie is that there will not be a happy ending. Yeah, because what do you do if everybody has the Tingler? Right. So so really, like, I, I think this is going to come down to him either imagining the Tingler or him having to come to grips that the world is run by monsters a la... What's that, what's that movie there? They they sleep? They They live? They live. Yeah, to, to, to find out that the world is run by monsters and you can't do anything about it. Why did you say sleep there? Because I couldn't remember the name of the title. So in the movie, They Live, one of the things that comes up is, we sleep, they live. Oh, that's what I remembered. And that's how the, the title of the film gets worked into the movie is they live is part of that little phrase of we sleep and they live. I, I just wondered if you would like kind of vaguely were trying to remember that or if like you were like, I know that they say sleep in the movie at some point. I just don't know. You know that, that's that's what it was. I couldn't remember what it was like. They they sleep or, or they I couldn't remember. And that makes sense. We have. <laughs> Even in this last little portion, we've gotten wildly off topic. I'm going to have to cut so much of this. Well, thank um, God we recorded an hour. Well, thank God that we have such an excellent editor. That guy, whoever he is. Mwah, just just the best. You know, Brickador, C, Extreme Monster. <laughs> I'm just... Perfect. Again, the, the I didn't have another A name I could use. But uh, and I don't know why I said monster. Monster, the energy drink, not monster, the creature. Extreme monster. Yeah, he's an extreme monster. Well, I feel like extreme and monster energy are kind of just like ubiquitous with one another. <laughs> Fucking hell. But okay, we'll call that a day. We'll, we'll get into we'll get into the movie right about now. I wish I also would love it if we could have like something for that the end of the prologue. I guess we'll call this portion of it. What do we What do we call it again? Do we call it a prologue? Uh, I I've said preamble. The preamble. I like the preamble better, just because it, it sounds more seventeen seventy six. Yes. Uh, it, it sounds more, yes, I want a double cheeseburger. <laughs> <laughs> I wish we could like do a cool little fade out like where, where we're just shooting the shit. I don't know. I think it'd be cool. Well, well now I'm on the spot. Like, what, what, how, do, how do I exit a preamble? Uh... Dance! Dance for your money! <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. See, don't make me do that because I'm going to go back to uh, French Americanisms. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Well, with that said, we'll call it a day. <laughs> We are back from the movie. How did you what, like it, Mr. Icecold? What, <laughs> what a fascinating movie that was. Like that was uh that was very enjoyable. There were a couple of times where like their plot twists got me, and that was like interesting and confusing. That thing I said about like I wonder at what point people were just doing experimental horror in America. This is it. I think this was that that was it. That bit, like three quarters through the movie where they kept on cutting to a black screen and they're like, audience, please, for your own safety, scream. <laughs> and I just, I thought that was really good. In a million years, if I, if I locked you in a room and said, I want you to guess something that's going to be in the movie, The Tingler, you have to guess something that's in it. And I, I have a specific thing I want you to guess. You have to figure out what it is. And the moment that you guess it, I'll let you go. Would I don't you think have it been able ever, I don't think it ever would have been the narrator telling me to scream for my life. Uh, Vincent Price specifically tells you in that instance, but at the the beginning of the movie it's the director of the film that tells you that you need to scream oh both, yeah both of those things i never would have guessed in a million years back in the day when alfred hitchcock would um when he made commercials for his movies uh instead of so showing like a trailer or whatever he would just kind of walk people through like the set hey this yeah. is uh the the set of the movie psycho this is where the hotel is that the most of the movie takes place and it's a very scary affair and all these things and he would just sort of talk to people about the movie for the commercial for it you can you can look this up you can find the old trailers for Psycho where Alfred Hitchcock just sort of talks to a camera about it, basically. I know that that's a thing. A lot 
people don't know that. And I never would have guessed that the director would come on screen first thing in the movie and just say, hey, everybody, in case you have to scream, just go ahead and scream. It might save your life. Never would have guessed that. Mm -mm. Oh, it was, it was so much fun uh, going through that. Like the movie itself, like had its own spooky qualities. And I enjoyed that musically. I, I thought the tropes were like j just the audio cues very much reminded me of uh, fucking, I think I already mentioned Scooby-Doo music. It felt a lot like that. I don't know. That, that was the highlight for me. For, so for the music specifically, I want to note that not at all did it give me uh, Scooby-Doo vibes. It was like an actual orchestra. Like they used a violin, they used a harp, they used all these different instruments. I don't know if that's like a stock audio that they have that the studio just has on hand and you can use that stock as much as you want. I don't know, but it did sound weirdly familiar, but it wasn't Scooby-Doo that it reminded me of. Scooby-Doo's music is a little bit more like, it's not as real. It doesn't sound like actual instruments playing it. It's kind of like uh, synthetic in a way. That makes sense. I don't know. It was just, it was something about, I don't know. I think I stand by that just because there were some of, some of the creepy points in Scooby-Doo where it's like the, uh, the swelling trombone or something like that. Like I could just pick them out in this one. There was a, there was a point where I thought they were going to use a theremin, but they ended up using a violin instead yes. and it was uh during the like i thought i so the movie genuinely tricked me so i thought when he went to go visit martha that he was going to give her some of that uh, hallucinogenic that he took and like see how it affects her as compared to how it affected him i thought that's it, what they played that up so hard right yeah and so i thought that the the sequence where she's being attacked by her husband she's actually having a nightmare is what i was thinking was happening and certainly like the, there are aspects of that that i think are kind of difficult to explain now that we know that it wasn't a nightmare maybe it was supposed to be both a nightmare and not a nightmare or both a uh, a hallucination and not a hallucination like both were happening at the same time because when she goes into the bathroom she sees that blood and it's colored it's the only thing that's colored in the movie everything else is in black and white i, I did want to bring that up that i thought that was a really really cute touch for the movie it gets a lot of mileage for me there are a lot of gimmicks in a movie that like don't do a whole lot for me but out of all the gimmicks i've ever seen i genuinely think that the color for blood was really really good and it's not even blood it's like basically water effectively for for all we know we have no way of knowing whether or not that was blood or just water when it was on the the, the hand coming out of the bathtub it looks it seems to have more of the properties of blood in terms of how it like sort of adheres to the skin you know what i mean right because water kind of just like beads off of the skin whereas blood is a little bit like stickier more viscous it adheres to whatever it's placed upon maybe that's the cue that lets us know this is blood and not water i don't know that's what made it seem more like a nightmare to me though was that there's now this new color that's being introduced and nightmares or dreams in general probably hallucinations as well have elements to them that just can't really be explained so if you're living in a black and white world, how do you explain the color red? And like, I don't think the movie is trying to say that this world is actually black and white for the people in it because he he notes a golden necktie, tie pin or whatever it's called, I don't remember. No, I just think it was meant to be more vibrant for the audience, at least to show yeah. maybe to key into her fear of blood or something like that. Yeah, I think it's weird that they never bring up uh, hemophobia, like being afraid of the sight of blood. They never bring that up in the movie. And I don't know if it just wasn't like hyper specific fears or more of a maybe they're not they weren't as popular back then like people knew that you could be afraid of something but they didn't want to give it like a scientific name like hemophobia or arachnophobia or something like that because they're like well that just legitimizes it and it's all psychosomatic it's bullshit it's not real it's all in your head having a fear of spiders you know not like a physical ailment i guess is what they believed at the time maybe i don't right. know if this was far enough back where like fainting at the sight of blood was just 
something that happened. Yeah. I didn't get a chance to say this, but I really loved this movie, by the way. I didn't I didn't get to say that. I loved, loved, loved this movie. <laughs> oh, it was great. I, I thought this was great. I had a lot of fun with it. I mean, really, this I feel like this was an experimental gimmick because there's there's other things that, that people mess around with, usually with like uh, illusions or magic acts where you'll convince somebody that they feel something or something like that. There, there's a hundred different ways for them to do this, but I just love the idea that they were messing around with this. Like, how can we get a more tangible fear experience out of our audience convince them that this thing can happen to you that this that this is an actual thing because i think like back then that's that's how these movies like were able to scare people right like when i look back on these old movies that don't scare me personally people were just less informed about how the human body worked and stuff like that am i right in assuming that uh yeah that's kind of why a lot of villains and like older films are scientists for like two reasons. Uh, one, America has kind of always been anti-intellectual. It's It's been a part of our culture for forever. We just don't like them. And I'm sure a, a better historian than me can probably come up with like specific dates and events that caused uh, Americans to be more anti-intellectualism. But you certainly see a lot of that in film. It feels like almost all the time in movies, the scientist is not to be trusted. He's doing some stuff that's really fishy. He's coming up with something that's like against God and nature and it's it's bad this is a very common through line so i think that that feeling and that fear does stem from people being generally ignorant of how various scientific things work so i i think the fact that they they went that far to to try to convince people that this is something that could happen to be like hey if you feel something strange don't be alarmed just scream and then we explain that through the the story they're telling in the movie and then they cut back to this like fourth wall breaking thing where they're like please do not be alarmed i'm actually wondering if while they were debuting this movie if they didn't have paid actors in the audience screaming that would be a really cool promotional thing to do but i i, I don't have an answer for that it just feels like it would tie in really well when they when they cut the screen black and they're like don't be alarmed a, a woman has just fainted it feels like that's the right thing to do there is to have some paid actors in the audience screaming that would have been great i just what a shame if that's something that's been lost to the fact that like I'm now watching this on Tubi in my bedroom. I like how this movie kind of secretly has like a good, I don't know, five minutes of uh, Tollable Dave in it. What, what is Tollable Dave? Oh, that that's the silent picture that they're watching in that theater, right? Mm -hmm, yeah, it's a 1921 film. It's like, I think it's only like an hour and five or ten minutes long. Not a feature length film, I don't believe, but maybe the back then in 1920 you could get away with just having an hour long movie and that was like a good solid production. And I will say just from the five minutes that they showed it did look like a pretty interesting movie there was a lot going on it looked cool yeah i was gonna ask if you knew anything about that movie and like its contents and if it relates to this at all because it no, looked like uh, it was supposed to be a horror movie of its own right uh no I, I i don't know anything about it other than uh i i googled the name of it and i saw that it was an hour and five minutes long and it was made in 1921 and that's all i have well that'll have to be something for the podcast at some point well keep in mind this is a movie history fact at least for uh, as far as i know american film movies made before 1920, I think it's like 90% of them or 70% of them are just lost to time. Uh, I remember you mentioning that. They kept them poorly. They stored them all in one central location and didn't make copies. Things like that. Natural disasters, mm. you know, any old thing. They would catch fire very easily as well. And so a movie made in 1921 might just not be as available now as it would have been in 1959. But it's possible that it still exists and somebody was able 
to, you know, uh, save it to, you know, a format that we can find uh, in a movie that old. It's about, or it's 101 years old now. Yeah, I'd, I'd have to do some serious digging to find somebody with a copy that's willing to... Well, really, what it what it should be is that it's available everywhere. Because a movie that old, I believe, has lost all of its copyrights. Right. Or at least it should have or should be close to having lost all of it. So it should just be available for everybody for free, no matter what, if it's accessible. Um, well, that's now, why you, now you're resurrecting the deck and, and Disney's going to reclaim that copyright. No, I'm sure Disney probably already owns it and me. Um, <laughs> Tallable Dave looks kind of cool, man. It looked, it looked, I, that's a movie I'd like to watch. I wouldn't mind watching Tallable Dave. I was, there are so many times in this movie where they actually get me, where they fucking get me. Like the part where, uh, like, shot his wife. Yes. Yes. <laughs> the first 30 minutes of this movie i got my money's worth that whole scene where he's pretending to hold her at gunpoint and he's gonna kill her and make it look like a suicide and he and he's bringing up like and and this is how you killed your husband and she's like you can't prove it and it's like they go through every motion and then he's like got and i'm like you son of a bitch yeah because he because he like shoots her in like the sternum or like kind of in the chest abdomen kind of area maybe like right. the lower stomach kind of i don't know somewhere in there and i'm like how are you gonna make that look like a suicide dude there's no amount of rearranging <laughs> i know <laughs> like she killed herself how'd she kill herself she shot herself right in the stomach oh i was i was over here like so he starts taking the x-rays and i'm like so what's he gonna do is he gonna like rearrange the x-rays to be like oh well the bullet's actually not in the and she fucking wakes up like while i'm speculating and i'm like you son of a bitch <laughs> well, I expected she might be able to wake up because, again, she got shot in, like, a non-vital area. She's fine. <laughs> like, so when she, like, poked up, I'm like, see, Vincent Price, you can't just shoot someone anywhere and they die. <laughs> Good golly. Oh, my fucking God. <laughs> but, yeah, he's like, he's like, ah, I was just kidding. This is a blank shot and everything. And in my head, I'm like, Vincent Price had me convinced that is some god tier acting. Right? <laughs> you really did it, <laughs> man. I was. Oh, what a in a in a in a description for a movie that sounds this like straightforward. I never expected to get to see so much of Vincent Price's range. You know, right? You know, he plays like the the charming, the, nice, you know, uh, friendly, the, the father figure almost. Yeah, sort of the father figure. The the uh, he's a he's what a brother in law, right? Oh, they're not he married is. yet, so right. Like, uh, but he's the brother-in-law. right. I assume that he's married to the to the spiteful little blonde woman. At first, I was like, is this back in the days when like you could just marry fucking teenagers or something like that? I'm like, oh, that's his wife's younger sister. This makes so much more sense. So the only thing about the movie I didn't really like because. Even the parts that I didn't like, I respected. The fact that they had five minutes of tolerable Dave in the movie, I, I respect that. I appreciate that it exists, and it, it makes me happy to be able to see a 1920s movie pretty much any time, because they're, they are a rarity. They're, they're something very special about getting to see a movie made in any of the 1920s. So I, I respect it and I appreciate it. But the thing that I didn't like about the movie was that the the wife character, Isabella, uh, is specifically cheating on Vincent Price's character. And that's why he like convinces her that he's willing to kill her. And I don't know if that's the movie playing with the idea that like a lot of people believe that like they're justified in killing a partner if they're cheating. And that's, you know, he's like 
hedging his bets on that. But as I'm watching the scene, it just made me feel not good because I'm like, yet again, another example of this person is a bad person and it is justified to kill them because they are a, a cheater. And I'm glad that the movie kind of like backpedaled on this and she just sort of leaves him after attempting to murder him. I don't know. Well, I, that's the that's the part I didn't like because I didn't understand. My, my understanding of their relationship is that she controls all of the funds because she may or may not have killed her own father. Her power play in the beginning is like all I have to do is she says turn the key and I assume it's just like lock him out just yes him. If, if I change the locks to the house you guys can't get in here and now suddenly you don't have your lab you don't have all of your, your research you don't have a place to stay and you don't yeah. have access to me for money anymore so so good. I don't I don't actually understand the motivation to kill Vincent Price's character in in this situation I, I think it was almost sort of defensive because you know when he said all those things at least in the moment she she believed him right. and then later you know let's let's think about this from Isabella's point of view she probably doesn't completely disbelieve all the things that he said because he did such a good job of like acting and making it seem real in the moment maybe she's thinking like damn he might actually try to threaten me again with that like performing an autopsy on his or on my on my father maybe he'll actually try to pull a gun on me one day because that seems so real in that moment I'm still scared of it I'm going to do what I can to sort of stop him from being able to do that and get out of here I, I don't I'm not saying it sets up for a sequel pretty well but uh, I'm not saying it doesn't I, I guess that is fair maybe she leaves and finds out that he didn't you know die from the tingler and she's just like now I'm name of the sequel pretty much writes itself tingler 2 queen of the tinglers come on come on <laughs> the ending was kind of strange to me because i i agree i thought that vincent price had gone over and injected the mute woman with the the fear drug whatever it is that that apparently didn't end up happening and her husband scares her to death in that same night at, at the end of the movie like he hasn't been injected with the fear drug but all of the spooky things that supposedly he was doing to kill his wife are now happening to him and his wife rolls out of bed are we to assume that the tingler has reanimator-esque qualities so uh a handful of things here right we do know that the tingler can sort of not reanimate a dead body but by pinching the spinal column it can erect someone right okay not, not reanimate but just sort of move their body upright we've saw right. we've seen that in a previous right thing. just a contraction of the spine really yeah so he puts the tingler back inside of her which we saw him do and then he leaves and then she leans back upwards and that's what scares him but really what scares him is that the door closed and locked on its own the windows like closed on their own they have a haunted house that theater is haunted oh okay like definitively there's no because like previously it would be easy to say that the stuff that was happening in her room when she was injected with the fear drug was just her imagining those things or even that they were her husband doing these things to scare her and he had set it up while she was asleep so that the door would appear to be closing and locking even though he has some sort of mechanism to make that happen that we don't get to see but we know that because he's planned this he's got some cool setups and he he had the setup where he was underneath the blanket and he, he leaned upward and he had the knife and then he ran to the other room really quick and put that little werewolf glove on and like held an axe up in front of her all of those things he had to set up somehow so we could just assume that the door closing and the windows closing and all that stuff was his setup as well but now there's no one to have set that stuff up so they have a haunted house for sure and that's just just the cherry on top it's also haunted why not yeah like they can have a haunted house too why not <laughs> Right. No, I guess that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, shit, if anything, there, there's your there's your setup for a sequel. <laughs> <laughs> the House of the Tinglers. <laughs> oh, is this the is this the forgotten 
film series that we need to reinvigorate? I have been obsessed with older, cheesy kind of uh, monster movies. Uh, and that's what this movie is. It's a monster movie. Ever since when I was a kid and I would watch that TV show, Angry Beavers. Do you ever watch Angry Beavers? So there's an episode where they want to stay up all night to watch like a horror movie marathon. And one of the horror movies is like Attack of the Killer Spleen or something. And it's the spleen is literally just like, it looks like a wad of meat with a thumb like glued onto it. And the thumb like allows the spleen to move slightly. And like the characters in the movie are like, oh, it's coming right for us. But like as a kid, I'm like, what's it going to do once it reaches you? It's just touch you a little. It's, it's, it's a spleen with an opposable thumb. As a kid, I didn't really get why that would be scary, but I liked how much like energy and like big acting all of the people were doing to like make us feel like we should be scared too. Like, oh man, they're going to get got by the spleen. And, you know, as a kid, I, I just didn't get why the monster was scary. And I think I understood something as a child that like is hard for a lot of people to articulate even now. In movies, it is better to show a reaction to something than to actually show the physical threat. Because like the yeah. physical threat kind of looks sort of dopey especially with these older movies like the with the jumping lobster yeah how would you describe the tingler how would you describe it god it's maybe like a, a very large silverfish oh that's a good description i like that i for a while I, I i thought lobster but then it's got those weird pincers that like so my description for it was a lobster mixed with a beetle mixed with a centipede yeah that's pretty good it's like uh it's like a water bear oh that's a good one too it's a water bear with the centipede mandibles yeah yeah oh man water bear is a good one i wish that it actually had legs like a centipede because the legs that it does have are like a i don't know uh, like very cuddly legs like it, they're very they're very soft and rounded as opposed to claw like pincers or anything like that like a brand newborn small puppy like a chihuahua yeah. puppy's hands that's what it looks like on the legs i i loved the tingler i loved how it had like a little heartbeat sound whenever it was like out and about to let us know like it's it's out and you can and you have a an audio clue to let you know this thing is he's out here he's being a naughty boy i wish they had given us a visual cue to let us know that uh vincent price's arm was hurt because because as soon as he removes the the tingler, there's his arm's just a normal looking arm. And I wish that they had like left like a little bruise or something to let us know he's in pain, something's wrong. You know what I right. mean? Right. Instead of having to have Vincent Price like audibly tell us that it was like a like a hydraulic vice. Like Yeah, yeah. Having him directly explain that does a lot less for me than his like initial reaction of like, ah, oh and like rubbing it and everything. But if they could just show something underneath to be like a big red mark or something, you know, or like, I guess it wouldn't be red. It would be, or Hey, they could have made it a big red mark, like the blood. That would have been cool. Oh, that would have been neat. I yeah. did find um, the second time that he's grabbed by by the Tingler. That that was like a point of real real horror for me. Just because mm -hmm. like that's just a, a concerning situation to find yourself in where like we've already established the rules of the universe. If you scream, it paralyzes the thing and you're good to go. And the first thing the thing does is like, I'm just going to choke the shit out of him so he can't scream. And I'm like, holy shit, that's brilliant. And luckily he gets saved. But that was the horrifying part to me. Perhaps less so because he's drugged during the whole thing like it would have been way more horrifying if he was like cognizant during the whole ordeal yeah and since the tingler is stronger than a human is he could be like grasping at it and trying to pull it off but it's stronger than him and right. since it's grabbing at his neck he can't scream 
that would have been, I agree, like a very full, terrifying visage. And I, I do love, like, if you just Google the Tingler and go to images, it'll show you that's that shot. Vincent Price having the Tingler on his neck and him just being paralyzed by it, basically. But I think it would have been a better image if he had been, like, grabbing at it and his eyes, like, emoting and his, like, mouth open, like, trying to scream, but he can't and just making those gurgling noises. As it is now, it does seem like he's kind of drugged up for that whole scene and kind of out of it. Well, that's the idea, right? His wife drugged him and then yes. left the tingler yeah uh, but like they they could have had him pop out of it yeah and the only time in the movie where they give us like a clear indication of how much time has passed and this does not happen in movies very often we've watched quite a few movies in this podcast almost never do they tell you this is how many minutes have passed whatever hallucinogenic drug that man takes it takes about 10 minutes for it to knock you on your ass and they give you that 10 minute time mark like in the movie they say this is how much time has passed as it's passing most movies they don't tell you how much time has passed and you just assume that it's like just you have to go based off of like what time it looks like it is basically i did think that that was kind of neat how he went through it clinically in the very beginning i guess that's just part of the lead up right for for tricking us into thinking that he's gonna go murder this mute woman i I think the movie leaves it ambiguous so that you can make your the assumptions you want to make if you want to think that vincent price's character went off and, and purposefully drugged her to see how this would affect her you can think that or if you want to think that he didn't and he was actually there to like check up on her and make sure she's okay you can think that too because clearly the house is haunted so like all bets are off Can we talk about that hallucination scene, by the way? Or maybe not hallucination scene. Martha's death scene. Martha, probably the strongest woman in film history, survives three shocking things that should scare just about anyone to death. And then the After things- already determining that she's like a little bit um, prone to being shocked, like just by the sight of blood, the fact that like she mm-hmm. now has to do that on top of these other things. The thing that kills her though is she sees her own death certificate. <laughs> oh my God, right? It's like- <laughs> that's the last thing she looks at before like that, with- that felt so looney tunes to me like that's the type of thing wiley coyote would would look at and be like oh i have died there's a certificate that says so yes yes that part the, the aspect of it where she's like oh god there's a there's a bleeding hand coming out of my bathtub and the oh my god my husband's gonna kill me i left the water on and like oh god there's a there's a wolf man with an axe all these things and then she sees the death certificate and it says her name and it says died of being scared and she's like well i can't refute that so i guess i am dead (laughs) i thought it was kind of neat during her her panicking hallucination scene there were a couple of times where it looked like she was trying to scream um Mm -hmm. and i wish they had exaggerated that a little bit more let me know if you felt the same way but early on in the movie it sort of opens up on you know vincent price doing his autopsy stuff and this creepy looking dude walks in and is just like no i can watch it's okay i'm not gonna bother you don't worry just go ahead and keep working and vincent price is like no dude like there's a corpse here obviously you're not allowed to be here what the yeah, fuck that, yeah that was that was strange so in my mind that meant i'm supposed to be suspicious of this dude because he's acting suspiciously especially since like just prior to that the guys like i guess they then explain that he's being dragged off to the electric chair but this guy's also in the jail as the guards drag the man past him for some reason well so uh i thought that it was to imply that like if somebody had the the, or the guy that was being having an autopsy done on him had already been to the electric chair and that he's just doing the autopsy on an already dead body this no was- for sure but that's that's the guy that was screaming in the beginning and ollie is in the hallway of the jail as well as uh showing up for the autopsy like what's he doing just waltzing around the jail oh i thought that that was meant to imply that he had he had witnessed the uh the death and then immediately followed the corpse into the autopsy room 
and they just didn't show do a good job of showing the transition of time. I guess that's an interesting way to read it. Yeah, so I, I thought it was either, because a lot of these older movies do this, where they don't do a very good job of making it super clear to the audience exactly what's happening. Like um, what's implied and what has actually occurred. Like the part where Vincent Price is being choked in the one room, and the young girl comes home and sort of looks, because she hears some sort of strange noise, I'm assuming, and it looks like she can see everything, but then ignores it, and then looks again, and then starts investigating slowly, and then goes over. The movie's not doing a good job of showing us the full layout of the house and letting us know that from where she enters, she cannot see into the other room. And the problem with that is we kind of need to be reminded of that. Yeah, I gotta say that they never they never have like a continuous pulled back cut of the whole house that I can remember. Like everything seems to be zoomed into the one wall as if this is a set designed for TV studio audience. Yes, I think that's probably almost exactly what it is, is it's that sort of open set where they just sort of erect walls and put stuff in and then they move the stuff out and put new stuff in there to make it look like a different room when it's really just the same set being used over and over again. And that's why they can't show you both the one room and the other and their relation to one another. It would be too expensive. You'd have to have two different sets. So that's probably why they didn't do it to save money, but it does become confusing for audience members. And this is another case of that. They probably- I, I did find myself a little confused as to what it was that she must have thought was happening the first time she looks over because she like hears something, walks over, and then like walks away with a smile on her face like, oh, that's just the old couple you know, in, engaging in some light bondage or whatever the fuck it was she thought was going on. I don't know exactly what. And again, it would have cost more money to show us what it was or give us a different perspective on that. So it's one of those things that like uh, it saves money, but it, it definitely detracts from the quality of the film. And I think the same can be said for this example uh, earlier in the film where we're not exactly sure if the guy followed him to the electric chair or if this was a different prisoner altogether or what it is. They don't do a good job of showing us. It's not terribly important. They right. really I, there's enough suspension of disbelief where like as soon as the resident mortician is like oh yeah I'm, do I'm doing the autopsy and you need to get out it's like oh here's a piece of paper that proves that this is my wife's brother all right well you can stay I don't that certainly doesn't happen nowadays I don't think and and I just chalked it up to like way back when when you could just fucking when everything was so relaxed yeah like, basically I, <laughs> I hope you'll bring your wife to the to the the funeral home and notify the police and it's like don't worry I'll do that in the morning what no that doesn't happen yeah there were so many things like that the guy basically comes in. He's like, no, I'm allowed to be here. Anyways, isn't it crazy that this guy like killed a bunch of women or whatever? They couldn't really find any evidence, but they eventually did, I guess. Anyhow, can I uh, get in your car and you can drive me home? Maybe ride downtown. Can I, oh, can I, get, can I get a ride from you? <laughs> What the fuck? So in my mind, and I dismissed it. I dismissed it as I was watching it. I was like, this guy's suspicious because he said all these things. Vincent Price's character is just that trusting individual. This scene's supposed to make us feel like Vincent Price is trusting and he's good natured and he's a wholesome man. And we're supposed to think that this other dude is suspicious. Or maybe it was supposed to be this guy's so suspicious and that alleviates any weird, awkward feelings we might have about somebody who works in the autopsy room or in a morgue or whatever. Initially, people might in the 1950s might think, he's kind of gross or creepy or scary in some way, but he's not because this other guy's so much grosser and creepy and scarier. Then I thought, no, I'm just looking at this from like a 2022 perspective. If I'm working and somebody comes into my workspace, no matter what I'm doing, I could be literally doing my taxes or doing somebody else's taxes or coloring in Microsoft Paint. If somebody walked into my workspace, I would tell them they're not allowed to be here, leave. You don't work in here, go on, get get out of here. Wrong. You know, bad. speaking of uh, speaking of viewing the 1950s through a 2000s perspective, imagine not only having a wife that's so rich that, uh, that you guys can just live and do whatever the fuck it is you want, she can just go out on dates she goes out on dates for a living but she is in fact
fact so rich that you're like, honey, I think I'd like to be an x-ray technician. And she says, of course, honey, I'll build you a lab right here in the house. A lab that I will then resent you for working in. <laughs> yeah, they never really explained why they had a lab in their home. Weird. I guess like dudes back then kind of always had their own little office. So maybe that's what it was. He was like, well, I'll just turn my office into a lab. Ha ha. I don't know. But that that was weird to have. And also to have like his, uh, his soon to be brother-in-law working in there with him. That's kind of weird. Hey man, why don't you come back to my house and continue our, our research and whatnot? Oh, really? How? Well, I have a lab at my house. What? <laughs> Uh, the prequel to this movie would explain so much, and it would make a great romance movie. Dude, we could make a whole f film franchise for this film. But back to what I was saying, with if somebody came into my workplace, I would just tell them to get the fuck out under any circumstances. I could work in HR, and if somebody came in, I'd be like, no, leave, get out. If somebody were to like say, oh yeah, this dead guy, uh, did you hear that they didn't have a lot of evidence to put him away, but apparently they found some, so now they're putting him away. I would immediately be suspicious of that in 2022. Anytime somebody is like, oh yeah, there's like a dead person, uh, but they don't have a lot of evidence, but they ended up finding uh, the murder weapon in his his, uh, attic or something. I'm thinking, oh, so you mean you killed the people and you put the murder weapon in his attic and you're over here trying to cover up your tracks. Oh my fucking God. The whole like, anyway, so let me just get in your car really quick. All that I, stuff I, in 2022 I, is just red flag after red flag after red flag. So I just assume that's that's how crime was around, around now. Like, especially when they had sold me on the fact that he was going to go poison this woman. And then immediately after he's like, hey doc, uh, my wife's dead. Coincidentally, minutes after you left having injected her with something, it couldn't be what you injected her with, right? <laughs> no. Well, that works for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, crack the case, Ace. Way to go. <laughs> Vincent Price agreed to give this man a ride into town before he knew his name. He says, yes, I'll give you a ride. What's your name again? He hadn't gotten his name before. He wanted to know his name for the first time. That's fucking insane how different I know I'm just are. walking around a jail and and uh, I just happen to make my way into where you do the autopsies uh, I don't have a ride downtown would you mind oh of course and Vincent Price immediately says of course because that's the gentlemanly thing to do no I'd, I'd boot him half of my office and when he asked for a ride I'd have said also fuck no there's a bus for a reason buddy go on get ask one of these police officers to drive you home they're civil servants they should be able to give you a ride yeah why the mortician specifically that's fucking insane also they kept calling him Dr. Doctor, I don't know. Maybe he could be a doctor. He doesn't say what he's a doctor in, but he does autopsies. I guess he could be a pathologist, like he claims that the other guy is, the other doctor. But we never really get a, I am a hematologist or something like that. I guess, I guess the person who performs the autopsy is different than a mortician, right? Because a mortician runs a mortuary. They just do like the embalming and everything, basically, right? Yeah, no, that makes sense. So a person who performs an autopsy is like a forensics pathologist or something like that. So I guess he could be a doctor of that. I just wish the movie would tell us specifically. I, I guess I'm nitpicking at this point, but like, I just felt like it was weird. Everybody kept calling him doctor. And like a lot of the stuff he does is very not scientific, or if it is scientific, it's like flying in the face of the standard operating procedures of science. Well, well, that's the thing. It's like, that's why I brought up the, like his home lab where he does x-rays, even though that doesn't make a whole lot of sense for his post-death autopsy bullshit. Like you don't x-ray corpses unless you have like a very specific reason to. And also if that's his job, why does he have a lab at home for this? Like, is he, does he do house call autopsies? Why did he, why did he have a, another doctor get a prescription for him? If you're a doctor, shouldn't you be able to request drugs and other things like that? Why'd you need the other guy to do it? Yeah, the, the whole thing just, uh, I don't know if it's an actual plot hole or if this is just how footloose and fancy free the profession of doctor used to be in the 50s. 
Oh, that's that's something I did want to ask. The anecdote of like, yeah, did you know that like hair and nails and everything grow after you're dead? Was that played out by 1959? Or was it like, this is interesting information for people in movie theaters because they wouldn't know that. Because by now, like we all know that through osmosis, we've all heard it a million times. And now if you include that in a movie, it's like, duh, obviously, we all know that you don't need to say it. I just wonder if in, if in 1959, that was like, whoa, that's crazy. Or if most people would have like, yeah, no, we've heard that. Come on. Right. I, I have no idea. Because like not having lived in that time, for all I know, uh, back then, doctor was just a uh, short form for man who prescribes you cocaine <laughs> oh you have a you have a toothache would you you should do some cocaine about it thank you doctor <laughs> by god <laughs> yes i will yeah i just i just there's a certain point you go back far enough where people are like yes we know enough scientifically to diagnose you with something that's wrong they're like cool doctor how do i cure it cure it no 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 you do enough drugs until it's no longer a concern of yours uh, yeah until you don't care about it anymore <laughs> <laughs> once you stop bitching that's when we stop doing the coke <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah i don't know i i don't know how much of this is like meant to be looked at as like man this whole thing nothing is happening the way it's supposed to be happening or maybe if you were watching this in the time period that the movie was released you'd be like oh yeah that that weird guy yeah i also go to go to his house get some x-rays bring home random cases of drugs <laughs> ollie really is the wildest character in the movie though because like that motherfucker is like thank you for giving me a ride into town doctor uh this is the theater where i live and he's like oh cool uh you, you live above the theater and he's like well i uh i work in the theater as well and uh you know it's my theater and he's like oh yeah you you own it and he's like oh no my my wife owns it but we we run it together <laughs> What a uh -huh. fucking duel! Welcome to my theater. Just don't tell my wife that. <laughs> and then he complains about like how hard it is to work in the theater because he has to clean it a lot. He's like, "Oh man, I, I love I love this theater so much. I love to show it off to fucking whoever will drive me home." But uh, <laughs> I I hate working there because I have to do woman work. I have to clean. I have to clean under the seats and behind the screens. And it's like he was he was doing the the Bubba Gump like and and the fried shrimp and board shrimp. And I gotta cl clean the aisles and clean the seats and clean the rows. And yeah. <laughs> and it, like we never see him actually do any work in the movie. Like at no point does he appear to be working. Even when his like like Vincent Price visits him at the at the box office and he's like, Hey, uh, I came to check on your wife. He's like, Yeah, she hasn't been able to work in the last few days. And there's someone else working the box office behind him. Like, why are you in there? I won't do that shit. He's like, he's like, no, 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 no. I've been trying to trick my wife into doing the cleaning while I work the box office, and then I wouldn't work the box office, and I just have somebody else working the box office while I go and have a few beers. Or it's the genius. um, or his whole his whole bit where he's like, "Hey, honey, how about how about you go downstairs and uh, open up the theater?" And she's like, "No, no, no. How about you go do it?" And he's like, "That fucking bitch never leaves the safe alone." <laughs> <laughs> he did that just after she had fainted. Like, she lost consciousness for several seconds, regained consciousness for, from the help of a doctor, and immediately she's like, oh, fuck, look at the time. Can you go down and open up the thing? Like, the first thing she thinks about is work. Like, I gotta make sure that this place I own is still running. Obviously, he doesn't care about it nearly as much as her because he's like, oh, no, let's not worry about that. I'm not gonna check the time or anything. And then she's like, like clockwork. She's like, oh, fuck, it's that time. Asks him if he will please lend a hand, and she's like, he's like, what? No, that sounds like work. Ew. <laughs> this guy's a fucking colossal asshole. I know. Oh, God. 
Oh, I, I did appreciate that. Like, uh, I, I'd like to look up the actress that played the wife there and see if she was actually mute, because that would that be neat, neat to know. Let me find out really quick, because she did look familiar, actually. Judith Evelyn is her name. She appeared in around fifty movies and TV shows. It doesn't say anything about her actually being deaf. So I'm going to go ahead and say no. But it was cool that they had a character who was deaf and mute and that they weren't like villainized or, you know, anything like that. I think we are supposed to kind of like pity her in a way, which isn't great. But, you know, she actually did, you know, hand signals and everything. And that was cool. Didn't really seem like she like had to be deaf or mute. Uh, I guess like for the plot. Yeah, she kind of does have to be deaf and mute. Right. Because they're specifically looking for someone who can't scream. I don't know. I, I liked her character, though. I, I was I was pleasantly surprised to see someone with that disability in a movie and, and for them not to be like, ha-ha, we're making fun of them or something like that. I liked how I also liked how Martha um, washed her hands after handling money. Ollie made that out to be like, oh, gosh, yeah, she's always washing her hands. And Mar- Martha's living in 2020. Like, she's living in 2019. Uh, she's like, I'm going to wash my hands after handling money. The guy's like, let me shake your hand. And she's like, no, I don't want to do that, germs. And I'm like, I don't know who the hell you are. She's, she's the only rational one in this movie. I honestly, Vincent Price's character, should have said uh it's very smart of her i perform autopsies so there's a very solid chance i have dead body parts that have recently touched me and in fact i have recently touched a dead body <laughs> in, in the very last scene now adding to ollie's like never-ending list of colossal douchebaggery vincent price's his name in this movie is warren chapin i wonder if that's a play on him saying earlier it's like oh i'd really like to see the charlie chaplin movies uh maybe i i thought it was cool that he like said that though i i, I don't know why but i i like it when characters have like unnecessary details like that we keep having this problem with movies where like we want to be able to remember characters names and unless they say it like more than five times we're just like that lady or that guy we just called him the doctor for most of this like he's fucking doctor who it's vincent price he's playing his actual self i actually thought that they were going they were trying to foreshadow that the the assistant scientist not uh, dr warren chapin but the other guy and again we don't i can't remember his name to save my life i thought they were foreshadowing that he was going to die at the end of the movie warren chapin says or vincent price's character says we need somebody who's willing to die for science and we'll replace you to find one and i thought that was like that was foreshadowing that maybe and, and in my mind i was like oh what if this ollie guy becomes his new assistant because he's willing to do the more fucked up stuff that his actual assistant isn't willing to do that's what i was thinking it was going to be and that at the end of the movie once like the original assistant kind of catches on to all this like fucked up stuff that he's been doing experimenting on non-consenting people and shit like that he would be like i'm gonna take this to the i'm gonna take this to the police dr warren chapin would be like no get him ollie and ollie would just throw the tingler on him and it would choke him to death and nobody would scream to help him and that would be the big thing for the audience like hey see nobody screamed to help the poor assistant scientist and that's why he died ah, and he wasn't willing to do what he needed to to further science and therefore he died because like we said that earlier ah, and we replaced him with a guy who is willing to do what he has to do to further science and ah, I thought that would have been kind of neat oh when Ollie brings the dead body to uh, Dr. Warren and he's like uh, you know looking it over and everything the doctor turns to him and says like he's like oh I don't you know I don't know what killed her or whatever the doctor says do you mind if I find out why why she died and he says yes to that and the doctor's like okay well then you you might want to leave, you know, the area or whatever. What he should have said was, do you mind if I gut this fucking trout? Because that's basically what he's asking here. Like, I'm going to cut her open and find out what killed her. That whole situation was weird, too, because he's like, oh, your wife's dead. Well, let's rush over and take a look. And he's like, no, no, no. I brought her. The fuck? What do you mean you brought her? Like, if that's not the most suspicious shit ever. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, Ollie is fucking crazy. 
Ollie gaslit me, man. He made me think that the only reason I thought he was a crazy killer guy was because I'm living in, in 2022 and I'm judging him by my standards and not by the standards of people in 1959. How did you feel about the uh, the scares in the movie? Were there any that you found distasteful? No, I enjoyed There weren't any jump scares and I appreciated that. So there's one, it's during the hallucination scene or the, the Martha death scene where she walks over to remove the blanket from what looks like a person laying in bed. It's supposed to make you think like, oh, well, Ollie's in the other bed. He's taking a nap or whatever. And when she removes it, the camera moves to an angle directly above him and it shows him like springing upward very rapidly and the music going, it's not like the modern jump scare where like everything gets like dead silent and then from nothing comes, you know, a big fast movement type of thing. It's very telegraphed as to what's about to happen. You kind of know in advance, just based on the setup, that there's very likely going to be a person jumping out at you in a moment. So I think that because we've seen so many jump scares, we're sort of diluted on them at this point. But that is that is a jump scare. That's exactly what that is. The only other like scare that I could see someone trying to describe as a jump scare, but it kind of isn't, is when Vincent Price goes up to check on Martha and she's like behind this curtain and her hand like reaches out from it and then touches him and she's like oh and she scares him and he scares her and they kind of like bump into each other basically but that's not really a jump scare because all of the motion in it is very slow you're kind of like following the character it doesn't give you a different camera angle or anything like that there isn't like a big loud uh, jarring noise associated with it it's just that startled kind of bumped into each other noise that they make and the sort of scary image is that image of a hand sort of poking out from a curtain that's what's supposed to scare you is like just a hand sort of floating in the air but then you realize oh it's not a hand floating in the air it's Martha for some reason sticking her hand out like that I don't think that's a jump scare if you were to argue like the semantics of what makes a jump scare I do believe that one is not one but the other one is a jump scare by I, yeah I guess that makes sense I guess just um, the the camera angles that they made don't put it don't make it feel as much in your face and so none of it like gave me that jarring stuff or maybe it's uh maybe it's a combination of things like maybe maybe the orchestra choices or something like that. I, I don't know exactly what it is that makes modern jump scares not only so effective, but so irritating. Um, I think it's the use of like, this movie has like a like an orchestral score that is playing almost constantly throughout the film. And so because of that, there is very little dead silence. And for a lot of jump scares, the thing that happens before the scare is dead silence. So that when that big like, noise comes out of nowhere it's more scary because things were so quiet beforehand but i think you're right there are a lot of things that make up a jump scare and if any one of them is sort of off you might think like well this isn't a jump scare because it's missing this one element but that doesn't missing one element or having one element be different in some way does not no longer make it a jump scare it's just slightly modified They played the harp when he like gave her the smelling salts as if the smelling I, I did think the harp was an interesting like musical instrument choice. Yeah, because like to me, when I hear that harp noise that like it's supposed to sound kind of like a dream or like something's like magical in a way. It's just something that smells kind of bad to make you like jolt you up because you're smelling a bad smell. It's not magical. <laughs> I feel like we covered most of the things that we uh, we sought out to cover here. There were a couple of things that we uh, felt like there was something that you nailed kind of perfectly. Oh, right. That he was going to work in like a morgue or be a mortician or do autopsies or whatever. And, and, and that's not- how he was going to find out that there was this thing yeah, attached yeah. to everybody. By like working on dead bodies. Yeah. I think you nailed that sort of perfectly. I was hoping that the Tingler itself would have a more telegraphed relation to something. Like, I don't know if this was just supposed to be experimental horror or something 
something like that. But I did I didn't immediately actually not even immediately. I still don't know if that was supposed to tie into something like socially applicable for the time. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it was just like supposed to talk about how like medical science is always trying to like take something that's like esoteric, like the concept of fear, and then put something real onto it. Like, actually, fear is just caused by how many times you blinked that day. If you blinked too many times, you're going to be more susceptible to fear or something. It feels like medical science is always coming out with stuff like that. And maybe this was supposed to touch on the fear that like, maybe if we go too far with medical science, we'll sort of discover something horrifying. Cause that was, that was a very weird scene to me when the other, when the, the assistant scientist comes in and is like, Hey, so you found the tingler. You've got one right here. We're going to take this to the, what are they, what are they called? The science festival or whatever it's called. Um, yeah. We're, we're going to show this to people and we're going to like get it printed in the journal and everything and he's just like no no we're not we can't release this onto the world and i'm like well why not imagine if if gorillas had never been discovered on on planet earth and this guy discovered one but it came up to him and it was like angry and it like hit him or wrestled around with him right would he, would he just go to his like fellow team of like zoologists and be like uh yeah we can't uh we can't bring this animal back with us and they're like wait why not and he's like it's too strong we can't release it on the public what the fuck are you talking about man like can we just tell people that it exists maybe warn them of it and like explain how to help them and they're like hey, we have we're not releasing a weapon into new york the scientists who invented the atomic bomb <laughs> arguably the most horrifying thing ever invented by humans didn't have the world much. about it yeah they were like not only are we going to release this onto the world we're going to release it onto the world twice and when we've had our fun we're just going to give people the recipe yeah yeah oh yeah god everybody can have it go go nuts everybody whoo Jesus. This guy's like, I found this little bug that lives inside of people and it's too strong and I don't like it. I feel like it could beat me in an arm wrestling contest. This is bullshit. I don't want people to know I was some sort of bitch that got choked out by a lobster. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's the difference. In the 1950s, scientists did everything they could to like maintain their masculinity at all costs. And we're looking at it from a 2022 perspective where you're like, if I discovered a thing that nobody else had ever discovered, I would be posting about it everywhere. I would make it in science journals. I'd do everything, you know. <laughs> Good God. No, no, no one can know that that an animal herded me. <laughs> All that said, you know, all, all said and done, I, I genuinely loved this movie. And as far as like, I, I'm always so happy to watch weird movies that do like weird stuff. Because when you describe these kinds of things to people, there's a little, little piece of them, not, not a big piece, but a little piece of them that doesn't believe you. That's like, no, that doesn't make sense. I've seen a lot of movies and I know that no movie does a thing where the director comes on screen the first thing and says, hey, if you need to scream, scream. And then three floating heads appear and they all just start screaming right at the camera. And then we go into the movie. No, that doesn't really, happen. it's such an obvious idea to me that they would have actors screaming in, in the theaters that, like, it, it's a shame that I don't have anything documenting this and telling me that this is fact. And I feel like this is something like um, that place we went to that's like a renovated high school or something like that that we watch movies yeah. at. Yeah. I would love to play this there and, like, have several people in the crowd screaming. Oh, I bet. Like, if it's if this is one of those, like, a cult movie, like, I bet that people who go and screen this movie are just like, yep, we're going to do a screening, screening of the Tingler and... And go ahead and feel free to scream your heads off anytime you feel scared. You know, really scare those tinglers away. People lose it. You oh, know, like, God, yeah. Like, if you go and see Rocky Horror Picture Show, people, like, dress up and they'll, like, say the lines to the movie as it's playing. Or people who see The Room or whatever, they'll, like, throw spoons at the at the movie and everything. If this movie had a screening like that, it would just be nonstop, start to finish screaming. <laughs> people just screaming, screaming, screaming. Which is which would probably ruin the, the, the movie. Like, if, if there were ever anything to ruin a movie, it would be 
be that. All right, well, we'll call it a day here. Well, alrighty. righty.